Hi there, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Saving the Republic. From Kenosha to the RNC destroying the DNC and a hurricane that wasn't as bad as we thought it would be. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. Gordon, do you want to segue us into what happened in Kenosha? Sure. So Kenosha is the most recent chapter of this very tumultuous uh, BLM saga where uh, uh, see, Jacob Blake, a 29-year-old black man, was shot seven times in the back after trying to reach for a knife in his car in front of his kids. Now, um, he's still alive, uh, paralyzed from the waist down, of course, but still alive. And then this led to, of course, riots in Kenosha which led to this uh, new guy named uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, a 17-year-old uh, lifeguard who decided, to, um, who decided to defend private property and to provide EMT medical assistance. BLM activists didn't like that too much. They tried to attack him, but he had an AR-15, fired back, killed two, and blew off the arm of another, or at least blew out the bicep. And now Rittenhouse is charged for murder. I believe in the first degree. So um, personally, like I, while it's very sad that Jacob Blake was shot for seven times, considering how he was also tasered twice and did reach for a knife, it is one of those sad situations where it's why did why didn't he comply? While with Kyle the Kenosha kid, he is going to like he is basically going to become like a Nick Sandman type, CNN millionaire and probably a new figure, like the image of self-defense. Sounds like another week of 2020 to me. Sounds pretty yeah, normal. Pretty much. <laughs> we'll see where this happens next week. Um, anyway, uh, so how do y'all feel about this? I have been trying to not study it. <laughs> well, it's it, it never seems like it's ever cut and dry with these things. Um, you know, initially I was really uh, on the side of, you know, thinking the police should not have shot this guy like you know I wish that something else could have happened with it I wish they you know there could have been a peaceful resolution but uh you know there's there's Jacob Blake wasn't innocent by any means um you know with uh, reaching reaching for his knife you know that's a it's a bad it's a bad situation you know the police never know what's going to happen like now they they you know they don't know yeah. If there I, was definitely guilt on both sides. Like what Kyle did was basically not exactly what should have happened either way. From my understanding, it wasn't even his own private property he was trying to defend. And he was a 17 year old as well. So there's legalities there. Well, he's not being charged with any of the gun stuff though. He's only being charged for, first, for uh, murder in the first degree. Yeah, which is like, you could potentially make arguments for that because he did have to come from out of state did well there's they're saying now that he didn't he just came straight from work really yeah it's like evidence has been coming out now that because everyone's saying oh the gun crossed state lines and now evidence has come out saying no it didn't because this guy basically lived on the border of the states he was like 30 minutes away be the equivalent of me going to my hometown roughly here from austin and he didn't cross state lines to get that firearm. We don't know, but it was like, but but considering how no, the DA isn't charging 
him on any gun crimes. It's only uh, murder. It shows that even uh, the Kenosha, uh, whatever the county's uh, DA, does not feel that he can get charged on any um, gun crimes. All I know is Al Sharpton had a problem with the event, and I saw him on uh, Capitol Hill the other day, you know, with his whole, you know, he wants to be Martin Luther King so bad, or Jr. He wants to be that so bad, and it's so annoying watching him. There's nothing that, like, makes me more tense than seeing an image of Al Sharpton because he represents justice in such a false way. Uh, what do y'all think? Uh, what are our predictions of this Kenosha thing? I have no idea. It could go either way. What do you think is going to happen? It'll probably drag out for a while. Um, you know, these things always do. It's like when, um, you know, Ferguson, Missouri happened, we saw a lot of rioting for, you know, weeks. Um, like you saw it, you saw it initially whenever the shooting took place. And then, um, and then it happened again whenever uh, the verdict said that he was not guilty. Uh, the that the officer was was not guilty so it's gonna I mean they're gonna keep on it's gonna keep on happening I, I really don't know what else um will you know go on I mean we we had we had protests and riots since you know since George the George Floyd incident and so I mean I don't know it's gonna just continue to drag on but in Kenosha specifically uh I don't know nobody Nobody really listens to the facts of the case. On mm -hmm. Well, on top of that, it also has to do with what the specific laws are in the area. So it depends on how they define murder in the first degree there, things like that. There could be legalities that essentially make him not guilty by giving him that severe of a charge. Do you all think that this is going to get worse than the George Floyd thing or not as bad? No, I, not nearly as bad because I think – so here's the difference between uh, – the Floyd and uh, the Jacob Blake situation is the obvious thing. Blake is still alive. He's paralyzed sure. in the waist down, but he's still alive. And that does go against the BLM argument that these cops are hunting us down. This is an extermination because Jacob Blake was shot basically point blank seven times. That officer wanted to kill him. He would have gone for the head. Yeah. Because yeah. officers know what part of you to shoot if they actually want you to die. And, exactly. Uh, to quote Thanos, you should have aimed for the head. Um, <laughs> uh, but part of the part of the problem here is something that we all know is the problem, and if everyone had it, we would we would never have these. This podcast wouldn't exist, and it's called logic. What logic is it to attack a sitting member of the United States Senate that has presented the bill specifically for Breonna Taylor, and then to yell at him, say her name, say her name, Breonna Taylor? when he's the only reason why she's seeing any kind of justice. <laughs> where, where are we? The, for those of you that don't know, coming out of the White House after Trump's Well, you're right. Rand Paul, you're right. They Rand Paul have no a, uh, Rand Paul said that when the security service told him, told him, his wife, and two friends, like, look, go to the, take the bus to the Trump Hotel and then go to your hotel from there. It's not safe for you to walk. So they took it to the Trump Hotel. And then from there, they took an Uber, but the Uber couldn't get through the crowds. So Rand, um, I thought, you know, a U.S. senator would be smarter. That's his joke, not mine. Uh, had the idea of walking. So they got out of the Uber and started walking. And before you know it, they have like 200 people circulating around them as they walk. Uh, anyway, so where, and he's not the only one. Ronnie Jackson got attacked. Uh, just a bunch of, just a bunch of people. Basically anybody that was walking out of those gates. Uh, anyway, so at what point do you guys think that logic will be applied? Or have we completely lost logic forever? Oh. 
I'm not saying that logic is being used in a situation. I think that <laughs> what I think is going to happen is now with the extended body cam footage of George Floyd coming out, uh, where Floyd is, where Chauvin, where Chauvin uh, has basically been overcharged at this point. It's no long, you can no longer make the case that he knowingly um, knew the risk and, uh, and disregarded it, considering how Floyd was constantly saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe while in the car. And with, um, and with the autopsy coming back saying he had a lethal dose of fentanyl and meth and all sorts of drugs in his system. And they say, they say think, he would have died if he had never interacted with the cops. He was going to Well, die. exactly. So at this point, yeah, you, can make the, you could make the argument that Chauvin exacerbated it and, um, that is, and therefore he would get like third degree or manslaughter. But because they overcharged and because of double jeopardy, Chauvin's going to get off and everyone's just going to go right back to that. Jacob Blake's going to be an afterthought. Yeah. Right. There so is no logic. That's Jordan's prediction. <laughs> yeah. No, there is no logic. And uh, the Floyd thing, you know, he's yeah. like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. They were like, they were like, look, we can roll down the windows in the police car. He's like, oh, I can't breathe. Like, look, we can roll down the windows. We can make sure you're comfortable, you know, whatever. And they're like, no, 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 no. We can have somebody sit in the back seat with you to make sure that you're, you're okay. It's like, no, 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 no. Anyway. Now, at what point was it logical to put your knee on his neck? I don't. And you That's should know saying, better though. than that in 2020 in Corona time. At this point, I feel like he should, that is reckless behavior, putting the, the knee on the neck, which puts in the a third degree, puts it at um, like, or anywhere between third degree and manslaughter. Yeah. And so and staying they there overcharged for, and staying there for eight minutes. That's, that's, that one's a pretty cut. And that one is, is pretty black and white. It's pretty clear. Um, but this one, this one's a little, I think there's a little bit more gray area. Um, you know, uh, it was Jacob Blake was wrong to, to reach in. He, he should have, he should have just stopped and stopped what he was doing and, you know, and, and followed, followed their orders. Uh, you know, uh, I will say though, that being shot seven times in the back seems like overkill. Um, I'm not sure how many uh, times you should be shot in the back, but seven seems a little bit high. Uh, well, if, if, it's in, if it's in the back, if it's in the back, I don't know that seven would be overkill. I, it's it's more than necessary. Don't get me wrong, but I don't. When you're in adrenaline like that and you are going against somebody that you think is going to put you in danger, you don't really. I mean, but then again, Jordan made the argument that this officer wasn't trying to kill him, so I don't know. And also, they tried to tase Jacob Blake twice and did nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, also at this point you don't know. You, at this point you don't know. He's and remember he was a nine one one call from his girlfriend saying that uh, he is here, like he won't leave. It was like domestic violence claim. You don't know what he was on at the time. He could have been like, as a police officer. You don't know if he's on PCP or anything that would numb his effects to any pain. Well, also like we, in situations yeah. where you tend to panic, that seven shots he might not have even thought he pulled the trigger, but twice. Oh, right. Just because I, of the I, adrenaline hitting you, your head. No, no, I'm telling you, dude. Just it, because it, of the adrenaline hitting your head. Just, if you, if just you fired a gun. Shooting, if you fired a gun. I'm like, oh my God, I shot my whole clip already. Like, <laughs> it, it flies by. Now, this is a whole other situation, and he should be trained for better than that. He should be trained for better than seven times. Well, and so, because it was in the back, I see, I, I see what you're saying, Scott. So a friend of, me and a friend of mine, we rewatched the uh, shooting of Philando uh, Castile, um, which happened back in, I think, 2016. Yeah. Uh, and the officer in that situation totally flipped out. Um, and that was basically, he, he fired at Philando Castile like 
it was like I, when I counted, it was like six, seven or eight times. Um, and it was like, and then, and the officer was panicking horribly afterwards. Um, that, I mean, in this, in this situation with Jacob Blake, uh, I feel like seven times was a lot. And, um, if you're a police officer in that situation, uh, and, and the thing is, it's not just him. It's more of, it's a, it's a little bit of a bigger issue than a single police officer, but I think police have to have more restraint. Like, we're talking about taking someone's life. And so I think anytime, anytime we're talking about taking someone's life, you've got to, you've got to exercise more restraint. Um, they didn't and I take know, Blake's life though. Well, that's true. I mean, they almost did. <laughs> uh, we've, we've seen it a few times where they, where it happens. Um, but, but depending, you know, depending on the city that you're in in the police department, not all the police departments practice this, but some police departments, they know like this zone of the body, you're not going to die. In this zone of the body, you are. Well, in this zone of the body, as long as you get to the hospital within an hour, you're not going to die. So well, I don't think you can. You I'm not can, saying this is sure, the case in Kenosha. I'm just saying someone that, in the torso, um, like seven times, there's a very good chance that they will die. Right, uh, but it was the back. Yeah, if even it was still torso, though, who knows how many times he was paralyzed from the waist down. So, um, but if you hit the right, if you hit the right part of the spine, it'll paralyze you from the waist down yeah that's what i'm saying is and i mean if you do there. shoot someone seven times there's a greater chance of hitting someone in the spine in the right place to paralyze them from the waist down so well yeah they just, yes what you're saying is basically we need like uh the kenosha kid who was only one per it's pretty much like one shot per person that he like in self-defense mm -hmm. like but at the same time if you shoot someone once and I, I mean yeah it was in the back so this is different but if you shoot someone once and they keep coming at you, you got to shoot again. Mm -hmm. So now, how do y'all think the... this compares to the, to the uh, Rashad dude and uh, what was he at Wendy's? How do y'all think this compares to that? I think it's, that's probably the closest comparison, I guess, because, mm -hmm. um, because yeah, don't neither, talk about him. Yeah. Neither one of them are, were totally in the clear. Although I mean, I think in both situations, when you take when you take someone's life, you've got to exercise more restraint than they showed. Or when you when you fire when you fire a gun, something that well, the Rashad one was a little a little different, and the lack of media attention that it's getting now probably shows that they know it's not a very reliable uh, thing. I haven't them. heard a thing about because it he's he's person. running, shooting the taser at the cop. It's not a good look. <laughs> anyway, but um, I just think it's like funny that not funny, like funny in the, in the wrong way that. In all of this uprising, all of this intensity, the cop that shot George, or I'm sorry, that killed George Floyd, allegedly, is probably just going to get off, or maybe a couple of years. Um, I just oh, he's going to get that, off, and we're I just find that very interesting. And who knows what the uprising that that the uprising of that's going to be worse than the day that Obama gets charged, if that ever gets here. Oh, I'm not counting on that. <laughs> I mean, the DOJ has been dropping hints. I don't know. That UFO announcement seemed like a distraction to me, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, but back to the point at hand. Uh, I think that, you know, that guy's going to get off. The Rashad Turkington one, the cop's just going to get like a, a year slapped on him. And Jacob Blake, who knows? I just, I, you know, I, and I don't get why they whip, him, out, so. they whip out Al Sharpton for every single one, which I don't understand because, anyway. Yeah, the, calming, the calming presence of Al Sharpton, that always does a lot of great for all these situations. Yeah, don't burn yeah. down a business if it's black owned. 
Anyway, that's yeah, a I quote mean, from Al Sharpton. <laughs> yeah, don't, I mean, yeah, that's, it's sad, but it's like, you know, if you're going to burn down a business, <laughs> it's like maybe don't, don't burn it. I don't know. What's, it's ridiculous. What's even more ironic is that yeah. now with, with COVID, 50% of black businesses are currently closed right now at this very second. Where's the uprising on that? And have y'all seen the, uh, the uh, I'm pretty sure we've all seen it, the picture of the Capitol of that march on Washington the other day, where it's like full of people and people are like tweeting the picture with like the caption, you can vote in person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because they were protesting. Show up by the thousands on Capitol Hill. They were, you and know what they were protesting though, there. right? <laughs> they were protesting USPS, the mail-on ballots. <laughs> They're literally protesting. We have the right to have mail-in ballots because we're so scared of this kung flu. And now they come out and um, side by side. And it, well, because remember, coronavirus is the most woke virus ever. It literally skips over you. And CDC revising the numbers. Only six yeah. percent of the United States death toll was actually solely from coronavirus. The rest of yeah. it was all preconditions. I mean, who the hell knows? <laughs> like, it's like, I mean, <laughs> I, don't know. I think that's a better question. Well, I mean, I, mean, I care. If, we're, if um, they dropped it by that percentage, what does that mean? We're at a point zero 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 one percent. We were already at rate or something ridiculous. We're already at point two percent. So now we're at like point. Not not infection rate. I'm talking death rate. It's it was yeah. at like point one, and now it's at like point zero zero something. It's because oh, you're talking so, about like maybe 7,000 solely COVID deaths. Look, I've always been saying, I've been saying for the past uh, few weeks that here's what's gonna, coronavirus is going to die off after the election because either President Kamala Harris is going to cure it in the first 100 days or the Democrats are going to open an impeachment inquiry against Trump for usurping power and fear-mongering this virus that was not a big deal. <laughs> and if Trump wins, I think it's still going to go away. I think it's going to go away in all fashions. Well, that's, actually, that's what I was actually, I would Either. disagree. I don't think that the Biden-Harris campaign is going to let it go away because they're already talking about a three-month mask mandate. No, they're going to uh, cure it miraculously. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kamala's going to sneeze and it's going to cure it or she'll throw someone in prison for minor drug crimes and cure well, it. Yeah, she's going to arrest COVID. That's what she's going to do. Y'all remember that State of the Union uh, speech where Obama turned around to Joe Biden and was talking about how they're gonna like cure cancer and all this. So um, we'll see if their success rate's any better on curing coronavirus <laughs> and than they did on curing cancer. But uh, yeah, I just have one. Uh, well, no, I'll save that for the RNC topic. Uh, we've been having some weather going on here in the Lone Star State and in Louisiana. So now we're gonna bring in Alexandra to talk about this. So we've got Alexandra Carr on with us. She's the chairwoman of the Young Conservatives of Texas at Lamar, um, which is in Beaumont, Texas. That was one of the cities that was hit pretty hard by Hurricane Laura uh, recently. And so we wanted to have her on and talk to her about um, kind of what she experienced with the hurricane and uh, what's, what's going on in Beaumont um, and what, and what y'all have seen. Uh, so I was actually watching a documentary about Hurricane Katrina the day before uh, and I was just totally uh, terrified about what was going to happen in Beaumont. And, you know, we saw in like Hurricane Katrina, we saw uh, flooding that lasted for like weeks on end. Um, so Alexandra, what's it been like uh, in Beaumont and what did y'all do to kind of um, stay safe from the hurricane? 
So basically what we did to be safe from the hurricane is the entire county actually evacuated. It was mandatory evacuation. So if you were left in the county when the hurricane came, they had to advise you that, hey, you might not be able to get rescued. You might not be able to get these resources. You might be stuck. Something could possibly happen to you. So they really wanted everyone to just get out for their own safety. So there was a mandatory evacuation. Well, that's, that's, yeah, that's good. Um, was, how much, how much uh, would you say, like, how much damage was there? Because I really haven't heard a whole lot about it on the news. Um, you know, there was a lot of forecasting that it was going to be really terrible, that it was going to be, you know, billions of dollars of damage. Uh, have you, have y'all seen a lot of damage or? So they've actually estimated before the hurricane came that there could be possibly $25 billion in damage. We were in Beaumont severely lucky and it actually had curved to more eastward. Um, it actually curved more eastward for and missed us. So we were very, very lucky. Mainly what happened is they were expecting a lot of storm surge and what a storm surge is, it's almost basically like a tsunami, um, but it's at a lower level. So it was gonna, they were estimating that the storm surge was gonna go 30 miles inward. That basically didn't happen. It didn't happen in Beaumont. Mainly most of the damage was a lot of downed trees, downed power lines. Um, we definitely lost power. So that was one of the main things. And then um, the, the rest of the damage was is that um, like some shingles might've gone off your house or whatnot. And for almost a category five hurricane, that is, that is very lucky. Um, in have my you been able to see how bad Louisiana is by any chance? Actually, I have. Um, I have found some pictures from, from some friends and family um, that are in Lake Charles and over in that area in Louisiana. And it's devastating. I mean, you just, the trailers, the trailer houses, I mean, they were, some of them were completely destroyed. You couldn't How do you think it compares what, to Hurricane Harvey? Um, for Lake Charles? Ah, uh, right. Like, like, is Louisiana as bad as, say, Houston during Hurricane Harvey? I would say it was substantially worse than Harvey. Wow. Um, so Katrina because, level then? I would put it as Katrina level because, I mean, if you've seen the devastation over there, I've seen hotels where their windows were blown out. I've seen it where there are trees, like you can't see one speck of gravel on a road because the trees are just covering it. I've seen it where you can't even recognize a house. Mm -hmm. But then there are parts of Louisiana that were substantially lucky where they were able to have only a little bit of their house damaged or some downed trees or downed power lines or whatnot. But Lake Charles got hit substantially hard and my heart goes out to everyone living in Lake Charles. I'll say that one of the big, you know, aspects of Hurricane Katrina was that FEMA and the federal government just really was not prepared and, you know, didn't, um, you know, just didn't make preparations for it. Uh, hopefully this time, it, it seemed like every, you know, a lot of people evacuated. Um, and so hopefully the like human toll wasn't as bad on this one. Like, was Hurricane Katrina the one where uh, I think it was Kanye West who's blaming it on George Bush? Is that well, the one? Well, part of the I reason why so. Katrina was so, so awful is because New Orleans is below sea level. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when so, I was a kid and went to the New Orleans for the first time. We were on that driving in and I was like looking on the side and I was like, what the heck? There's water. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. Uh, no, but I, that's the only thing. Not I cool during a hurricane. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. That's the one thing I remembered from Kanye uh, West. Like, uh, what, what was it like? Hurricane Katrina is George Bush's fault, or he said something like very close. George to that. Bush doesn't well, care said, about black people. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. George Bush doesn't care about black people. <laughs> anyway, so sorry. Uh, from that to Trump supporter. Uh, anyway, but so uh, Alexander, do you know of any? <laughs> Do you know of any opportunities for uh, aid to be sent over there to Louisiana? Um, I myself am actually going to try and set up with the YCP organization. I haven't made the notice yet, but I was actually planning on getting together, Nate knows this, um, a group of YCP chapter chairs and members on planning on going to Louisiana probably either Wednesday or Thursday to go help in Lake Charles. Um, to go help with cleanup and aid and bringing water and bringing anything that anybody might need. Um, Right now on Facebook, if you mark yourself safe uh, from Hurricane Laura, if you click on the link, there's actually, um, if you click on the group, there's actually um, where you can request aid or you can request um, or you can offer aid. So from that, I've seen a lot of people like requesting water, requesting food or requesting even baby supplies. so um, planet starting this week, um, I was going to mention to my personal chapter, um, if there's anything that y'all would willing to donate or grab, um, any water, baby supplies, any food, um, bringing that to people in Lake Charles on Wednesday or Thursday and just trying to help out. And um, especially because our, our neighbors um, so close to Beaumont, um, I think they're about like a maybe an hour and a half to a three hour drive. I'm not entirely sure. I haven't mapped it out correctly, but um, yeah, my heart goes out to him. So I really, really want to go help. That's a great thing. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, anytime, any tragedy like this, there's always a huge need for supplies, just basic necessities. So that's really cool that y'all are doing that. Um, uh, But yeah, back back to uh, sort of like, you know, comparing it to comparing this one to Hurricane Katrina, you know, in like in New Orleans, they're under sea level and uh, they're below sea level, and uh, the levees, you know, broke. Uh, there, there was a, you know, there was people talking before the hurricane made landfall. Um, they're really concerned about you know the flooding and everything, uh, and they were talking about like the Ike Dyke, and which was which is something that's been like, you know an idea that's been floated for a long time about constructing like a barrier to, uh, to prevent, you know, the, like a lot of that flooding. Um, I'm just, I'm just glad that that didn't, you know, that there, there hasn't been a huge death toll um, and that there wasn't all that flooding. Uh, so I don't know. That's, it, it seems pretty miraculous that it at least, uh, you know, dodged us, dodged y'all for the most part. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I'm, I was surprised to see that uh, Air Force One went over there, like Trump went to the damage. I was like, it was that bad that he went over there? Because it's that lack of media coverage that I was like, what is he doing over there? I thought it was not that bad. And now we're hearing from you that it was like worse than Katrina in Louisiana. Yeah. uh, So Trump actually visited in Louisiana. Um, He visited Lake Charles and then he came to Texas and he visited Orange. And Orange is actually about from my apartment, it's about a 20 minute drive. So um, 
I saw a video on Facebook and it was actually like these people had just suffered a major devastation and they were lined up on both sides to see even see President Trump. So, I mean, if that shows you anything about the community or that tells you- Because how did, uh, how did the administration handle it whenever it was Hurricane Katrina? Like what, because I think, I think part of Katrina was so bad because of the lack of covering by the administration. Mm-hmm. It was uh, part of mis- mismanagement, FEMA mismanagement. That's yeah, why it was an administrative nightmare. Okay, so how does that compare to now? Uh, now it sounds like uh, they're able to get uh, federal aid uh, fairly easily from my understanding. That's yeah. interesting because there's a pandemic going on. <laughs> I wonder where that aid's coming from. That's all I have to say. Uh, anyway, but uh, do we have any last words on this topic? Well, you know, um, Katrina, the, the situation there, there were a lot of uh, bad factors that made, that really compounded how bad it was. Um, and this, you know, I mean, it hit a huge city and that was below sea level uh, that had, you know, levees broken, people were stranded for weeks. Um, so I, I think with social media, you know, we can, we can coordinate things, we can get people to, uh, you know, donate food, uh, water, all the supplies that we need. So, um, so yeah, I wish, wish you the best of luck with uh, all those efforts and I'll definitely love to help out. Well, we would really appreciate it. Um, I'm actually gonna be sending out probably a message tonight to all of our chapter chairs, letting them know um, this giant plan that we really wanna bring together. Um, I'm telling my chapter tomorrow, I'm telling all of my officers and so, um, I'm really, I'm really excited to try and go help and make a difference. Sounds like road trip time. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for joining us, Alexandra. And now we're going to talk about the RNC versus the DNC. Okay, so as most of you know, in the last two weeks, there have been two political conventions. One is the Democratic National Convention, and the other one is the Republican National Convention. Obviously, we're not going to talk about the DNC because why? Uh, maybe, I mean, of course, we're going to talk about it, but not in depth. Uh, the RNC convention, where, did any of y'all watch it? Did anybody see the fireworks? I saw the fireworks and whew. My sister that said was it great. looks like, my sister's like, it looks like 4th of July and Disney had a baby. It's like, bro. <laughs> that's, a, that's America. Come on. <laughs> It kind of, in my opinion, it kind of looked better than the Mount Rushmore fireworks. It was, it was up there. I mean, it was nice. For a second, I was like, oh, cool, we got little fireworks. And then it said Trump 2020, and I was like, oh, hang on. <laughs> and then it was like, it just kept going. Anyway, and then I'll, I'm not going to lie, though. My only criticism is you probably shouldn't sing about freedom in Italian. <laughs> that was my only thing. Uh, anyway, but so what, what did y'all think of that? And just in the RNC convention, they raised uh, $76 million. In the DNC convention, they raised $71 million. But the DNC had 110 million views. The RNC had 145 million views uh, that we know of. On the, you know, they say on TV, oh, the DNC had more viewers. Okay, online streaming, the RNC had about like eight times more viewership. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, the DNC got spanked by the RNC this year. Just from like a purely, oh, yeah. just take out the ratings, take out everything like that. From a purely aesthetics perspective, 
the RNC. Oh yeah, the, the DNC. DNC. The DNC is the party of Hollywood, the party mm-hmm. of like movie makers, and RNC's quality was just so much better. I, I will say. I mean, like the R- look at the RNC, flanked by U.S. flags. You have like these grand um, kind of Greco-Roman uh, kind of columns, like on the sides. And what does uh, John Kasich have? A literal crossroad. <laughs> yeah, and the, uh, the you know the RNC. A lot of people don't talk about this. Uh, at least pre-Rona, uh, Trump was raising like I think two hundred and fifty million dollars in one quarter. <laughs> they, well, Trump is still on raising big records. Like his campaign is over a billion. And they have he a been, he hasn't been personally contributing. So and Act Blue has been taking all of the uh, Black Lives Matter money and donating that mm-hmm. to Biden. On top of that, so and the fact that Trump is still outbeating him is insane. Well, Act Blue is so. So to be fair, though, Act Blue isn't giving everything to Biden. They're spreading it. They're they have more concerns in the uh, local races right now because they feel like they can flip a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're gonna be like Ron Wright's district, for example. They uh, CD six. I want to say that it is. Um, they're focusing in on that. Um, a few other Texas. That's just like the one on top of my head. Then there's like a few. Oh, or Chip Roy's district, CD twenty one. Like they're just gunning for those. Like more than uh, Biden. They feel like Biden is probably so safe. So uh, Ron Wright is actually my representative. And as a resident of Mansfield, Texas, I really don't see that flipping blue. Uh, there, It could happen one day, but the, the voters of Midlothian are not going to go for Biden. It's one of those things where it's like, someone... it's like one of those reach. It's one of those reach districts where they're still going to try to flood to try to do something. It's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. Midlothian As someone is who is... For Biden. No, I don't think so either. But I'm just As saying... Someone... Even, even, even Mansfield. like even My neighbors across the street are from California and I highly doubt they're going to vote for Biden. <laughs> Yeah, Middleothian is at least Middleothian is staying red. There's no. Oh way. yeah, yeah, Mansfield's gonna stay <laughs> red too. Uh, maybe there will be a day where if 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 my district were able to go blue, it would just be the Arlington Fort Worth area. That, but even then, the part of Fort Worth and Arlington that I'm in is so red. There's there's no way. Uh, I just don't see it happening. Anyway, I mean, either, but the Democrats are so hopeful. Oh yeah, I mean they're hopeful. That, that's but... what I'm saying. Though, <laughs> the point is not that it's going; it's in danger of flipping. The point is, are Democrats going to flood try. this district? Yeah, uh, like, yeah. they see they're, they're going to try to flood Chip Roy's district too. I think Wendy Davis well, has yeah. way more Twitter followers. Anyway, not that that Wendy not that Davis carpet bag from but... Fort Worth though. So yeah, but Democrats don't care about carpet bagging. True. True. Republicans <laughs> they're are the only ones that care about carpet bagging. They're not going to vote for abortion, Barbie. So back on analyzing uh, analyzing the RNC. Thank you, Skylar. Uh, yeah. And did y'all see the lady that used to work for Planned Parenthood and was like a director of Abby Johnson? Yeah. Abby Johnson. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's the one from the graphic. unplanned movie. For those of y'all that have seen that, it's a great movie. She was she recommend. was talking, and I was like, I was like, oh my god. She started talking about abortion having a smell, and I honestly, I had to I had to mute it until she was done because it was just too intense for me. But uh, that I don't know how the Democrats get past that. Uh, numerous, uh, Don Lemon was like. Because <laughs> in the first night of the RNC, they brought out Tim Scott and Don Lemon's like, well, we already brought out their black Republicans, so I don't know who else they're going to bring out for the rest of the convention. Tim Scott's already spoken. And I'm not going to lie, Don Lemon made me laugh. Anyway. Well, my favorite thing I've seen though was Nick Sandman. When he oh, I love that me. part. That was the best. <laughs> what, was the meme? what was the meme where, like, where you, uh, He's you the get highest paid and... I get he... the paid and uh, crap on uh, CNN. Like and they may they they may have won the short game with what they did to him, 
but like that is the like sweetest moment of his life had to have been going on CNN like that. The McConnell After campaign hired Nick Sandman. Did y'all see that? I don't know what they're using him for, but the McConnell campaign hired him. Not that he needs a job or anything. From CNN, it was like $85 million. Washington Post was $250 million. Mm-hmm. And the others haven't been settled. Well, what's great, though, is what, uh, is he went on CNN and like with all the other speakers, they kept jabbing in. They made commentary. Like you said Don Lemon saying, oh, they brought the token blackout. And then with Nick Salmon, radio silence. It was literally just quiet at the beginning. Quiet during it. Quiet immediately after. You say say your paycheck is going to him. Yeah. 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 And Brian Steltzer's in big trouble for what he did with that. Who knows when that punishment's going to go in. But uh, I didn't, uh, what do you call it? Um, Did y'all know that Anderson Cooper has two hours and Don Lemon has two hours? I was looking at the guide and I was like, why is... CNN can't even get their program title in right. It says that he's on there twice. And then I well, watched it and I was like, oh my God, two hours. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so w- one thing, uh, I saw a tweet from this guy named Darren Rovell. Um, and he was, he was basically, he was saying, uh, what does Dana White know about politics? And, uh, and, and someone, um, well, so the DNC had Billy Eilish um yeah was she like 16 or something or 17 and um <laughs> but dana white what his his speech was was pretty good he was so you know full of energy the ufc um i think he's the president of ufc um just like great great guy like you know a ton of energy i loved i loved watching uh his speech but maybe he can get joe rogan to vote red Probably not. Maybe. But. <laughs> well, Joe Rogan, I didn't, isn't, didn't Joe Rogan say he'd rather vote for uh, He said he'd rather Trump vote for Biden. Trump than he would Biden, but he also said he'd rather vote for Oprah than Biden. He said he'd rather vote for anyone that doesn't have dementia. And remember, like, Sean King also said that the Biden-Kamala ticket would be the worst ticket ever for black communities, the worst ticket for criminal justice reform. And then once Kamala was selected, oh, my God, it's so amazing. Black woman power. Well, Joe Rogan's in Texas now. Maybe the red Kool-Aid will get to him, unless he's in Austin. Well, uh, is he even going to be able to vote then if he's moving to Texas? You have, don't you have to be registered? Uh, well, you have to be registered He can still vote absentee Probably in California. Yeah. 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 But, like, yeah. That make a difference, even but... then, it w- voting red or blue makes no difference in California at this point in time. Well, actually, you'd be surprised. I think it depends on the district you live in. Where Joe Rogan was in Calabasas, yeah, it makes no difference. But uh, in Calabasas, are you kidding me? But parts of California, believe it or not, I saw that uh, this hasn't been getting any media attention. I don't know why. Maybe it's a false poll that I saw. But uh, Maxine Waters, I saw that she was losing like 63 to like 37. Like she is getting absolutely destroyed in her district. Yeah, but. Did I see that wrong? They don't poll dead people. That's what you have to remember. That's true. They don't. Well, then how is she winning? The dead people. Losing, losing, losing is what I'm saying. That's the point. They don't poll dead people. They don't poll dead people. Dead people vote. I see now. I see now. See, some dead people that are voting. Uh, Anyway, well, we'll see what happens with that. As of right now, it looks like she's going to get destroyed, but we'll see. We thought AOC was going to get destroyed, and I'm pretty sure she won her district again. Are you talking? Are you talking about in the general election? Right. She's in a. Okay, I just googled. She's in California's forty third district. And you're about Maxine Waters. Yeah. 
and that's a it's a twenty nine point uh, Democrat advantage. So, well, what I saw, what I saw, she was like losing, like in a twenty nine point Democrat advantage, she was still losing. That's like that's no, how hated. That's she not was. gonna happen. I don't know. Um, as much as I'd love seen... for it to happen. Yeah, like you need to find the poll. It's like Rasmussen, for example. I'm going to. Will, I will cite the poll later, or we'll post a video of me saying I was wrong. Anyway, uh, can we get that recording now? Right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't feel like finding the poll right now, though. But and then uh, part of Los Angeles, sadly, not shifts district, but the other one, uh, that one is red now, isn't it? Uh, it went red for one special election. Uh, not sure if it's going to stay that way. Just it might have just been because of the uh, who was the last person in office there. As much as I love was it seeing weird? the idea of California going red, if it's going red, that means the blue is leaving. And then if you look at Texas, it's slowly fading away from red. And so I'm like, yeah, but California oh. red. I'm, okay, honestly, I would take that trade of California going red uh, versus Texas voting blue in presidential elections because you know, California has more electoral votes. Well, yeah, and the case that then we just move there and have the nice beaches to ourselves with all the. I'm not gonna lie. If California was red, I'm I'm never in my life not gonna have a residence in Texas, but I would go live in California if it was red. I'm not. Well, but the the question (laughs) is state politics. Uh, That's what I'm saying is I don't want Texas to go blue in state politics, but if but I'm saying like I would make that trade if California were to go red on presidential politics and Texas go blue on only presidential. So during the RNC poll, uh, before before any of the conventions happened, they had Biden on like a 12-point lead uh, just overall. And now it's only like, as far as CNN, I think it's only a four-point lead. Didn't yeah, because riots. Right. And so four, a four-point four lead, uh, I'm sorry, but a four-point lead with CNN, I think Trump's going to win. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to jinx anything, but... That's a but national in, poll. In you don't want to... Well, that's true. In 2016, but CNN doesn't even have Texas listed as a flip state. They used to, but I checked the other day the flip state list online on CNN, on MSNBC, and all that, and none of them have Texas listed as flip states. I'd be I'd be pretty surprised if Texas voted um, for Joe Biden. Uh, I don't think he's going to get it. It's probably going to be close again. Um, that's probably just kind of the nature of how st- Texas statewide politics is going to be. It's going to be a dogfight. Um, so, you know, we're going to have our hands full. Uh, but I would definitely be surprised if Texas voted for Joe Biden. Um, yeah, my concern is not Texas voting for Biden or voting for Hagar. My concern is more about the House races, state house. Sure, sure. And that's that's a legitimate uh, concern. Oh, and they and only state have Senate to... too, and state Senate because they could lose their uh, filibuster-proof majority. Well, I'm not gonna lie to y'all. The RNC convention uh, appealed very much to evangelicals. I mean, I'm not saying that like as a Christian or anything, I'm just saying in general, like their speeches were very impressive, the opening prayers, all of that. So I saw one picture of the, the nun that was praying side by side, Billie Eilish in like a depressing scenery. And it showed side by side, it was like DNC, RNC. And it was just like, oh my God. And the, well, DNC, uh, the DNC did the pledge and didn't say under God. And mm-hmm. they thought it was an accident. And the next morning they didn't do it again. Like, yeah. Do you not want your yeah. nation to be under God? Wouldn't they you didn't, want it so... to be under God? They said it like, and I guess they said it in like their opening um, Pledge of Allegiance, but there were like com- uh, committee um, meetings or whatever that where they didn't say it. So it's not like it's not like um, Trump was totally wrong when he was mm-hmm. when he said that they didn't say it. Um, and that's a pretty well, huge oversight. Ted. Well, remember, Satan is a Democrat. According to the Satanists, Satan is a Democrat. Mm. And Jesus is a socialist. So you went either way. 
No, nope. the, the argument wrong. where <laughs> no one claims that Jesus, Jesus was everything. Jesus was a communist and, and socialist and all this. And it's like Jesus they don't, they don't even want believe you to have freedom. I'm they not going to say not want you to have freedom. <laughs> they don't even believe in Jesus, but they're going to still use him against use him to try to win an argument. And you mean to tell me Barack Obama is a strong Christian? You know, <laughs> praying all the time, faithful Christian. Uh, anyway, I don't get into the conspiracy about he's a Muslim though. But uh, anyway. Nate is showing his it's not a conspiracy a if it's book. true. That's true. That's true. I'm getting. Yeah. I'm getting. Yeah. Th- I do not think that President if he was born in Africa, then that conspiracy is not a conspiracy. Well, he had that anyway. one slip up. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going into that either. He had that one slip up where he was like, just "My Muslim kidding. faith." <laughs> I am just kidding to all the yeah. cancelers out there. I am kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, Nate, and no one here was Jesus a socialist book. If you're not talking. I was I was trying to be polite, Ethan, but a uh, great book right here um, answers the question very well. I could probably just save you some time and say no, but I've got my the problem with socialism right here. I have that book outside. <laughs> I believe I have that book too, but I'm not digging through my bookshelf to find it. My YC my YCT chapter at Tech has a book that's uh, the benefits of socialism, and you flip through it, and it's totally just blank. That was a that was what got me hooked on YCT. Yeah. It's just like nothing on each page. Yeah. It's like reasons in, uh, to vote Democrat. There are none. Those of you that don't know, I was in uh, Mexico City last week and I have this shirt that says uh, social distancing in all caps and at the end of social it says ism in lower cases. And so Mexico, the Mexican president is like extremely socialist. When he went to visit Trump a couple, uh, like a month or two ago, he flew commercial, he had a layover. Uh, it's just a total show. Of course he had the plane to himself. Oh, but a man actually there, there were, there were <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he refuses to live in the presidential residence. Actually the presidential plane is for sale. Uh, anyway, so it's a complete joke, but and no one there. Did they Airbnb the presidential house or whatever? Oh, that's the other thing. He stayed in the Mexican consulate or embassy or whatever. He did not take the U.S. government offered, like, uh, staying, like, you know, like, you, you want to stay at this hotel, whatever. He didn't do it. He was like, oh, I'll go stay at the embassy. Or well, that's nice. Or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, but the point here is that uh, I was going through the uh, Capitol where his office is, and I wanted to stand in front of his office with my picture, with a picture, and, and like, take a picture in, like, socialism distancing. I really wanted to do it. And so I got up to the Capitol and we were in the car and I was driving by the little square where I was going to be standing full of tents of homeless people. And I was uh, like, Oh, this is perfect. This is so perfect. And an hour later, I still didn't have a parking spot. So I gave up. But anyway, the point here is that that would have been amazing. And the RNC destroyed the DNC. Uh, I personally like, I have a lot of anxiety for November 3rd, uh, but I, I ultimately do think that Trump's going to win. I just think that voters need to show up. I hope that voters don't just like stay home. However, the enthusiasm for if you're if you're like a full-blooded like Trump supporter, there's no doubt that you're going to go vote. Like these people are not like a full-blooded Trump supporter. Like in the in the boat parade is not like oh I might go vote. Like they're like waiting now to go vote. Biden supporters are like oh, I need to go vote so that you know Trump doesn't win whatever. Look, I, they don't like I th- leaving mom's basement. I think I'm done uh, trying to predict presidential outcomes because you know, <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always totally wrong. So uh, I have no idea. I mean, I could see it going either way. Um, you know, all the attention's on Joe Biden. And so, you know, a lot of people, 
know about it and are, you know, are concerned. I don't think you'll have another situation where, you know, it's a huge surprise where like Trump surprised everyone in 2016, but you know, I'm, I'm not going to forecast. I'm not going to predict it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the RNC is pretty secured uh, money wise. I do think that a silent majority does exist and I don't think they're silent that much anymore. I saw today a line, hundreds of cars going into Portland with Trump flags in the back of their cars. And uh, same thing in uh, Chicago and Kenosha. Like they're, they're going all over the place. I so was anyway, literally handed a Trump sticker getting out of my car yesterday. True story. So, well, you live in like the most red district of Texas. So. <laughs> no, I really <laughs> don't. Anyways, We're only like R plus four or five, I believe. The point is that the DNC convention was a joke, and for them to be the the party of Hollywood, it was an embarrassment. I expect, I honestly expected much better production wise. Put the material to the side, production wise and camera work and audio. The RNC just blew it out of the water. And they really appealed to the message of America, the American dream, religious freedoms. It really was an encouraging event. DNC was like depressing. Yeah. That, that photo of Billie Eilish really <laughs> just perfectly explained how their convention went. Definitely. For all the, you know, for all the criticisms I have of like the Republican Party, it's like at least, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it feels like they're pro America. Like there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, this, the DNC, it's, it's sad. It's like, look, there are problems with America, there are flaws, but it's like, you know, that's all, that's all they harp on. It's like, they don't talk about what makes America good. You know, it's a, right, right. It's a pretty clear difference. I, I think I can, I think I can explain, uh, how the DNC versus RNC was, uh, at the DNC, you got solid funeral vibes. At the RNC, it was like a party. Yeah, it really was. And for the protesters to be lined up outside of the RNC convention shows that we did something good. Anyway, well, thank you all for tuning in. If you listened this long, uh, stay tuned for future episodes and have a good day. If you like this content, please like, subscribe, share it. If you hated it, like, subscribe, and share it. Thanks for tuning in.